Welcome to the Appalachian Folklore Podcast, a wild hike through the history and migration of the folk culture, stories, traditions, and haints hidden in the hills and hollers of Appalachia. I'm your host, Aaron Bobick. Hey folks, welcome to the April Fool's Day edition of Appalachian Folklore Podcast. I don't have any tricks or anything funny to do today, no pranks, just straight up information. I don't really even have any housekeeping. This episode is going to be a little different this month. As I've mentioned before on a couple of episodes, I first dipped my toe into the podcasting pool by researching and writing for a small podcast called Southern Appalachian Wild, hosted by Judy Clinton Doolin. It's a science-heavy podcast with a little folklore here and there because Judy is a science educator. The research I did for her episode on bees I used for the episode I did here at AFP on episode 4, Bee Folklore and Beeswax Remedies. This month's episode on ramp harvesting and festival traditions is similar in that way, but I'll also be using the script I wrote for her show because it's got all the important info in it. So if it sounds like I'm reading from a script, that's because I am. But I wrote it, though I'm sure I'll go off on plenty of tangents, so don't worry about that. I'd like to start off by setting my sources up front so y'all know where I'm getting my information from. As always, these links will be in the show notes, and they're all readily and easily available online. Sustainably Harvesting Ramps also supports Clay County Community by Laura Harbert Allen. Ramps, Dig Responsibly, and Ramp Harvesting to End in Southern West Virginia National Parks, both by Jessica Lilly. In the Land of Wild Ramps, It's Festival Time by Jess Schreibstein. It's Ramp Festival Time in the Southern Appalachians by Zoe Hoyle. Ramps, Wild About Spring by Alan Muscat. Spring Tonics by Stephanie Hall. And the YouTube channel Edible Mountain, the episode there titled How to Sustainably Harvest Ramps. Spring has started to ease its way across Appalachia rather early this year, and with it comes the much-anticipated warmer weather, heavy rains, and intolerable allergies from clouds of pollen, which I am currently heavily medicating myself against daily. The yellow dust that coats everything usually starts in late March. Unfortunately, it was here mid-February this year, and we're all pretty unhappy about that. But it's also the start of ramp harvesting season in areas of Appalachia. Every spring, from mid-April to early May, towns all throughout Appalachia come together for ramp harvesting festivals and fundraisers. In many cases, these festivals are an integral part of each community, bringing families together after an often harsh mountain winter for food, fun, and friends. If you're not from the region, you may have no idea what I'm talking about. So what are these tasty little plants, and why are they important to so many Appalachian communities? As I said, this is going to be a little science-heavy this month, so put on your science hats, pants, and vests just to be safe, because here's a little plant science for y'all to enjoy. Ramps, or Allium trichocum, have a reddish-purple coloration at the base of their stalks and are a member of the lily family. They resemble scallions with one or two broad, flat leaves atop a medium-short stalk of about 10 inches. Zoe Hoyle writes... Native to the hardwood forests of eastern North America, 
Ramps emerge in moist, shady areas of Appalachian forests in late March when the plant sends up a circle of smooth, broad leaves that die back when the overhead trees are fully leafed out. The entire plant is edible when harvested, uprooted from the ground, bulb and all. Regionally, they're called wild leeks or spring onions, but colloquially, they're called little stinkers because they are nothing if not pungent. They have an onion flavor stronger than that of a leek, but are more pungent similar to a scallion or garlic with an additional peppery kick. From Alan Muscat's article, he writes, In early spring, ramp festivals celebrating their pungent pageant of these earthly delights arise throughout the Smokies and throughout West Virginia. Cosby, Tennessee has held the largest and one of the oldest ramp festivals in the United States since 1954. The festival has played host to as many as 30,000 visitors in the past and has been attended by notable luminaries such as Harry Truman, Eddie Arnold, Roy Acuff, Bill Monroe, Minnie Pearl, and Brenda Lee. In Laura Harbert Allen's piece on sustainable harvesting, we're given a glimpse into exactly how important ramps can be to a small Appalachian town and how these plants are a symbol of a greater overall respect for nature philosophy seen throughout the entire region. In Beaumont, West Virginia, every May, the residents come together to fill the floor of the school's gymnasium with several hundred pounds of wild ramps to be collected, cleaned, cut, and cooked for their annual fundraiser. It's a gathering similar to that of corn shucking or barn raising, where each person contributes their time and effort in their own way in order to raise money for the school. Principal Jamela Krajewski states, Students that have perfect attendance, we use this money to buy them a brand new bicycle at the end of the year, and every student in the school gets a Christmas present. All that comes from the ramp dinner funds as well. These dinners are a tried-and-true Appalachian classic cuisine. Beans, cornbread, ham, and greens, in this case ramps, intended to fill the residents' bellies and hearts alike. Laura Schreibstein tells of a similar festival in the town of Richmond, West Virginia. In her article, she writes about the self-proclaimed ramp capital of the world, where ramp diggers gather bagfuls of the wild greens from the forest floor, according to Nancy Leffingwell, of the Richwood Chamber of Commerce. They loaded them into trucks for the largest and longest-running annual ramp festival in the country. The festival in Richwood is just one of many ramp festivals held in small towns March through May. The number of festival attendees in Richwood has continued to grow every year, with a noticeable spike in the past two years alone. For its 75th anniversary this year, the Richwood Festival served over 1,000 ramp suppers, a record for the town, Leffingwell says. But gathering hundreds of pounds of any wild edible needs to be done in such a way that the crop isn't decimated, especially when a plant like the ramp plays such an essential role in so many communities within Appalachia and beyond. From Zoe Hoyle's article, Forest Service scientist Jim Chamberlain started studying ramps and ramp festivals over 15 years ago. Over the years, he's seen the demand for ramps skyrocket. Over the last couple decades, interest in these edible forest products has spread to local farmers markets and big city restaurants where world-famous chefs want to cook with them, says Chamberlain. Now, Big food retail corporations are demanding ramps for their produce sections. The U.S. Forest Service states that ramps can only be harvested for personal use within national forests, and that personal use is defined as 
two gallons per person in possession at any one time, or approximately 180 plants. A good rule of thumb, very much followed by avid ramp harvesters, is to take one, leave two, or to only take one-fifth or 20% of the overall crop. It's also a good idea to leave crops of 100 plants or fewer alone. Additionally, it takes a crop about 10 years to recover from a 10% harvest. It all boils down to sustainability and a respect for nature. In the web series Edible Mountain, the episode How to Sustainably Harvest Ramps gives a wonderfully academic insight on how to properly harvest and protect ramps. Here's some more science for you. From a seed, ramps take roughly five to seven years to reach harvestable maturity. The plants reproduce both sexually, flower and seed, and asexually through bulb division. Asexual ramp reproduction produces exact genetic clones, which is great for an individual crop growth, but is somewhat detrimental when taking a certain invasive fly into consideration. The Allium leaf miner is an invasive species of fly that feeds on ramp leaves. When ramps are exact genetic reproductions, the fly is more familiar with the plant and will more readily infest it. Whereas when a ramp reaches full seeding maturity, the genetic variation is more vast within that particular crop and the fly loses interest. All of this is important when considering sustainability of each ramp crop. Unfortunately, in some areas of Southern West Virginia, sustainability efforts have not been enough. Due to the popularity of ramps in restaurants throughout America and niche nationwide grocery stores, not naming any names, ramp populations have dwindled to dangerous levels. According to the National Park Service, as of January 1st, 2022, harvesting will no longer be allowed within the New River Gorge National Park and Preserve, Gauley River National Recreation Area, and Bluestone National Scenic River. They also state that recent surveys show populations were overwhelmingly small, while others are completely gone. Alan Muscat gives us his own way of maintaining a sustainable ramp crop in his local forest, as well as a few ideas for shelf-stable ramp recipes so as to enjoy them all year long. He writes, Recently, however, I began harvesting mostly the leaves, leaving the roots intact in the soil. That way they can grow back, and it's far easier anyway. I take these green onions and dehydrate them, chopping them up and storing them like dried chives to add to dishes throughout the year. Ramp salt and ramp butter are two other local favorites. Ramps can also be picked, added to cornbread, and used in soups and stocks, any way one would otherwise use onion or garlic. And that segues very nicely into the traditional folk remedy and custom section at the end of every AFP episode. You're going to get a twofer this time around. I've got a little sciencey bit on the health benefits of ramps. And for those of you with culinary curiosity, I've got a recipe for wild greens pesto. From Stephanie Hall's article, Spring Tonics, on the Library of Congress blog, Folk Life Today, which is also a really good podcast I highly recommend. Ramps are thought to improve health, cleanse the blood, and protect people from illness. There may be some truth to this, as members of the onion family seem to have antiseptic properties and may protect against viruses such as colds as well. Ramps also supply vitamin C and minerals. The allicin in ramps, or diallyl sulfide oxide, which has antibiotic properties, has been linked with reduced rates of cancer. Ramps are higher in vitamin C than oranges. They contain sapanes, which function as antithrombotic agents. 
ramps also contain flavonoids and other antioxidants that are free radical scavengers. That is a mouthful of science words right there. That took me a few takes to get out, and I'm not entirely sure I've pronounced them all correctly, but there they are. Basically, ramps have some really healthy stuff, but as always, gonna CMA here, talk to your medical professional of choice before using ramps to treat anything, from colds to cancer apparently, and you know, take it with a pinch of salt. Speaking of salt, here's the recipe for wild greens pesto from Alan Muscat's blog titled Roger's Wild Things, Recipes to Make Your Heart Sing. I could not find who Roger is, or if this is a blog or vlog or book or article somewhere, and I apologize. The recipe doesn't mention using ramps either, but recipes like these are always very malleable and you can add or take away anything you want, substitute ramps in for something should you choose to do so. Also, another CMA here, know your wild edibles before eating them. Books and phone apps can be a good education base, but harvesting with a seasoned, no pun intended, trail veteran is always the best method. So here's the recipe for wild greens pesto. For a two cup recipe, pack four cups chickweed or wild violet leaves or lamb's quarters, about six ounces. He says, my favorite wild pesto is to use about two to three cups of chickweed as a base and mix in a handful or one cup of violet leaves, a few wild mustard greens, either wintercress or Pennsylvania bittercress, and sometimes a few dandelion greens and or young yellow dock. Some friends don't like the mild bitter tint from either mustard, dandelion, or dock, so it's easy to just use non-bitter greens, but I like to include some mild bitter flavors in my diet. 15 garlic scapes, about 3 ounces, or 1 to 2 handfuls, depending on how garlicky you like it. I had to look up what garlic scape is. Garlic scapes are the tender stem and flower bud of a hardneck garlic plant, which grows in Canada and northeastern U.S. Now we know. 1 half cup olive oil, 1 cup nuts, finely chopped. Pine nuts, black, or English walnuts are favorites, but also use toasted sunflower or pumpkin seeds. One half to one cup Parmesan grated, and an optional quarter cup wild wood sorrel or half fresh lemon. Salt is needed. Blend nuts in a food processor. Remove to a bowl. Add all ingredients and blend until pureed. Adjust seasoning as desired, adding more cheese, garlic, sorrel, lemon juice, or salt. This is a mild pesto. The spiciness will depend on the mustard greens, scapes, or other spicy wild herbs. Serve with thinly sliced Jerusalem artichokes, whole grain crackers, freshly baked bread, or use in pasta or as a condiment in a milder soup. This freezes well and is a great way to store fresh wild greens for later use. And that concludes this edition of the Appalachian Folklore Podcast a more heavily scripted episode than I usually do, but I thought the information was very important, and since I'd already written it, I figured, what the heck. I hope you learned a little bit about the indigenous flora of Appalachia, and if you are in the region, I hope you get to enjoy some ramp cuisine or a ramp festival. If you do, send me pictures, send me stories. I would love to hear your recipes. You can always email me at appfolklorepod at gmail.com or hit me up on the social medias. 
I'll have a new episode of Stories from the Cabin on April 15th. And as always, y'all be good. Thanks for spending your time with me here at the Appalachian Folklore Podcast. If you'd be so kind as to rate and review this show on whatever platform you use, I'd be much obliged as it helps spread the word. You can email me at appfolklorepod at gmail.com and visit my website, shows.acast.com AFP. You can find me at appfolklorepod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also find me on Mastodon at appfolklorepod at thefolklore.cafe. Thanks to Jonathan Ochoa for the AFP cover art. You can find his work on Instagram at inkwellgraphicdesign. Thanks again for listening.